Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you all here. I'm going to take a couple minutes to kind of give an update real quick on where we're at. Uh, as you probably can tell, we're, we're com- we've completed the Bibles. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Give, give the Lord. So uh, just real quick, here's some numbers, because numbers are important sometimes. But within the Spanish Bibles, which are mostly on this side and on the top part on this side over here, we got 3,266 in the box. Amen. Those Bibles, as you probably have heard, if you have not heard, uh, are going to uh, Venezuela uh, by way of a missionary uh, in the southeastern part of the United States, and he distributes Bibles into Spanish-speaking and uh, Portuguese-speaking countries, a lot of other countries as well. But uh, So we put the Bibles together for him. He's taking them uh, down to Venezuela. Uh, and then on the front side of this row over here, uh, we got our English Bibles done. We got 1,020 Jamaica Bibles going to Jamaica. So I'm actually pretty uh, pretty pleased with that because this is the first time in several years that we've been able to send ex- at least a thousand. You know, sometimes it's like 940, and or you know, just a little just shy of 900. But this time it's a full thousand. So I'm really I'm really glad of that because I know. Uh, as I said before, uh, the the people of Jamaica they want a King James Bible and they want it in a black cover, and that's what they're going to get. And we're going we're excited about that. We also did. I just want to mention this. Part of our church ministries here, we have we have a ministry that um, reaches out to uh, people, mostly veterans, but anybody that is suffering from post traumatic stress uh, uh, situation, you know, um, disorder. I remember what the D was. So we made these Bibles. Uh, that we call them right now we just call them PTSD Bibles and this is what they look like and we just did 50 of them and that's the cool thing about this ministry if in the middle of, of a big project like this and we need to make a small quantity we'll we'll put that together and make a small quantity we did the covers here on our press we laminated the covers and then we put the Bibles together and so we're excited about that because they're going to be used for people who are suffering from PTSD and uh, that's a ministry of this church, and if you know somebody that has PTSD, or maybe you f- are, maybe you're dealing with it from a situation. It could have been anything, not necessarily being a, in, a, in a, as a war veteran, but it could have been any reason. Let us know. We'll, be, we'll, we'll try to help you out as much as we can, according to what the Word of God says. And so, uh, our goal. I just want to mention this because I, I hope that everybody. I think everybody here. You're here on a Wednesday night. I know most a lot of people come to church on Wednesday night anyway. But there's a special night because we're wrapping up our Bible conference. And so I think everybody here has the same desire, the same heart, uh, for, to get the Word of God to the, to the hands of people that need the Word of God. And so I just want to remind you of a verse that we haven't really mentioned uh, so far yet that's this week. And that's in Mark chapter 13, verse 10. When Jesus Christ said, And the gospel must first be prob- published among all nations. And that's why we're focusing on four different languages uh, this year uh, to try to give us an emphasis and try to focus on, turn our heart, turn our minds, thinking about uh, that there are people out there that don't speak English and need a Bible. Now, Spanish is a common language. At least we, most of us are know, know about it anyway. So Spanish is common, and, of course, English is common. Uh, but we've also, down here on the far, my far right, we, we've done the, the uh, John... Romans and First John booklets for the the, uh, the country of Zambia in Africa. Uh, that's a Lamba tribe, uh, and uh, uh, so we're excited that those are ready to go. And just below that, 
uh, are some other box boxes. I think there are seven or eight boxes on there, and those are the um, what am I? I lost track of what I'm even thinking. Hmm? The tracks. Yeah, so we've been working on tracks, and we haven't finished the tracks. That's the one thing that we need to get done. So uh, let me give you a count on that, and this is an approximate as we kind of estimate where we're at right now. But I think of the 50,000 tracks that we need to get done, we, we've gotten about 22,000 in the box. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And so we need to... We need to finish that up, and uh, we'll give some final instructions at the end of the service. But I'm excited. I hope you're excited. And I want, and I want you to keep praying how God can continue to use this church to reach other people that may not have a Bible in their, in their hand, uh, uh, in their language, so that they can hear, that can be published, the gospel can be published in, to all nations all around the world. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here once again tonight, and uh, man, it has been good. You know, uh, Psalm 6811 tells us the Lord gave the word, and great is the company that published it, and it's been, a, it's been great company. You know, when you have people over your house, it's company, and uh, you know, we have a different kind of rapport with folks that we're hanging with, and some of the best fellowship I've had in a long time has happened this week. It's been wonderful, and uh, it's good to make uh, friends. How many of you made a new friend this week? Just somebody you hadn't met before, maybe a different church? That's, isn't that good? Isn't it good to get to know these relationships? When you get involved in ministry around the Word of God, well, really, it's not ministry if it's not around the Word of God. Uh, when you're getting, when you're involving yourself in ministry around the Word of God, God builds relationships, and these relationships have impact in eternity. And it's really, it's really neat to think about what it's going to look like once we get home, we get to heaven, we look back on all the things that God is doing in our relationships. And uh, I'm so thankful for uh, all the churches. I'm thankful. For this church, too, I'm thankful for Pastor Randy, man. He is really uh, pushing himself to the limits, he, he and, and Julie. So I appreciate their sacrifice and, and uh, Pastor Bob. Not, I'm not in a thank you mode. That's supposed to be at the end. But I just uh, I don't want to forget Randy and his uh, effort, and, of course, and Bob and Terry and, and just all the folks, Terry and, and Anita and all the folks that have been coming from the Word First team. Guys, it's, this is a victory. And they were shouting today in there. I was like in my office, and I'm like, it's like, like the Royals or the, well, no, like the Chiefs. And, uh, and uh, not the Royals. Nobody's shouting. But uh, anyway, maybe for Salvi. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, it was, there was a party going on down here. So uh, the last bind, and then uh, who was it? Doug, brother, Doug Pearson, man. He floods my phone. I didn't get it till long after, but I saw all the, the action in the armory when the last Bibles were cut. That's exciting. And uh, these relationships, and there's still more work to do, right? So we got to get these these tracks done. But these relationships that we form with one another in the ministry of the Word of God, they really do have eternal impact, and these relationships will last for eternity. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to spend some time, to have a little time with our guests uh, and have some company uh, the last, really last 24-plus hours uh, with the Vogleys, and uh, I don't know, do I say that properly? Vogley, Vogley, Vogley. Oh, praise the Lord! And uh, and so um, Ariane and uh, Yonita Vogley uh, from Albania are with us, and I've announced them last night. Uh, and tonight they're going to come and speak here in just a moment. If you guys want to make your way on up, and these are dear people to me because they're dear to our dear brother uh, Jeff Bartell. And I think you guys know we're fast friends with Jeff Bartell and and the. Uh, 
a church in New Philadelphia, Ohio, First Bible Baptist, or not First Bible Baptist, First Baptist of New Philly, Ohio, where he was senior pastor. And uh, a, a few years ago, uh, through that ministry, God was able to bless us with some resources so uh, we could uh, go forward with purchasing our press. And now I think uh, you're going to be excited about uh, the testimony that you're going to hear uh, from the Vogleys. This is the fruit of Jeff Bartell's ministry. Uh, you know, 20, over 20 years ago now, almost 30 years ago, when he went to Albania as a missionary. And so I'm so glad to have you guys with us. Arion and, and Yonita have been um, good company, and it's been fun to get to know you a little bit better today, and I'm excited we all get to hear them and their presentation tonight. Well, good evening, church. Uh, Let me first say that it's an honor and a privilege for us to be here. Um, It is a blessing to see a church that is involved in ministry, where the heart of God is in getting people saved and getting the word of God to them. And it's been a blessing for us to see the whole church from children all the way to old people, sorry to call you that, some of you, <laughs> but uh, involved in putting the Bibles together. Yeah. I, I, this has really done a lot for us to see this first firsthand, so we want to thank you for, for that. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation. We've really had a great time so far seeing what the Lord is doing here, and we look forward to uh, continuing our friendships even in the future. We want to present... Uh, before you tonight, something that the Lord has put in our heart as far as getting an accurate translation of the Bible in the language of our people, Albania. My wife will do the history presentation, and then I will conclude with some uh, Bible verses. Well, I want to thank you, church. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude to the Lord um, for what I've seen and what I've been privileged to be a part of these last 24, 48 hours. It is amazing to watch, and it's so encouraging. And um, it has energized us and confirmed to us, uh, you know, continuously that we are, um, we're dedicating ourselves to the right, to the right thing. Uh, There's nothing more precious than God's word. And um, he has exalted his word above all his name. And it's worthy of our lives. So um, like, My husband said, um, I'm going to show you a little bit about Albanian history. First of all, I wore a little bit of it. This is a traditional uh, southern Albanian uh, woman costume. Uh, This uh, goes back about uh, 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 500 500 years. Um, Now, I don't have an an original, but this is a tradition (laughs) that has been carried for 500 years. And there's a purpose in me wearing it. And it's, it's not an exercise in vanity. It is so that when we pop up in, our he- in your head during prayer time, that you remember a people uh, that desperately need the accurate words of the Lord in their language. 
But um, before I start speaking about the Albanian history, I'm going to tell you a true story about a Welsh girl. Anybody of Welsh heritage here that they know of? There you go. Okay. So there was a girl by the name of Mary Jones, born in a Welsh village that I cannot pronounce, in the late 1700s. Her name was Mary Jones. And when Mary Jones was eight years old, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And by the time she was 10 years old and she had been taught in some of the traveling schools that came by her village to read and write, she had an immense desire and hunger to have a copy of the Bible in her Welsh language. So by the time she was from 10 years old to 16 years old, Mary Jones worked and saved up money so she could buy a copy of a Bible in her own language. There were very few and precious copies in the Welsh language at that time. This is the, uh, the, the late 1700s, early 1800s. And the nearest one to her was about five miles down the road to a neighbor, and he only had a portion of it. So when she turned 16 years old in the year 1800, she took a 25-mile trip barefoot across the rocky Welsh landscape to come to the door of Mr. Thomas Charles, who was the ha head of the Religious Tract Society, who were responsible at the time for the publishing of these Welsh Bibles. So she shows up at his door, a 16-year-old girl barefoot with her savings, and pleads with Mr. Uh, Charles to sell her a Bible. Well, Mr. Charles said, I'm sorry, child. All the Bibles I had in Welsh have been sold or spoken for. But Mary was so distraught and also so uh, headstrong that she would not remove herself from the doorstep of this man until she got her precious Bible. So much so that Mr. Charles sold her one of the Bibles that he had spoken for with other people. Overjoyed, Mary took her Bible and trekked back her 25 miles to her village where she grew up, married, and died without ever leaving her village again. But her immense hunger and respect and desire for the Word of God when she stood at Mr. Charles's door gave him a vision that four years later would be um, contextualized in the founding of the British Foreign and Bible Society with a very simple message, the Bible for the world. And I wonder often with myself, what would have happened if that stubborn little girl hadn't shown up at his door? If he hadn't seen a spark of the field in front of him, the British Bible Society and Foreign Society, 16 years from their uh, foundation, would include Albanian in their list of people to reach with the Bible. And by the year 1972, when they concluded their activity from 1804 to 1972, by 1972, they had portions of the entire Bible in 1,431 languages, including Albanian. And they, by then, were distributing 173 million Bibles a year, all because a little girl wanted a copy of the Bible in her own language. And I want to thank you, church, because you already see that vision. 
And I want to thank you for what you continue to do with this ministry. So I want to tell you a little bit now, because we do connect with Mary Jones further down in the story. I want to tell you a little bit about Albanians. We are one of the very few privileged nations to be mentioned in the Bible. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 19, Paul writes, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Illyricum is the ancient name for our people, Albanians. So you have two Illyrians in your presence today. And so we know through history that uh, Albania, Illyricum, is that, um, that purple part of the map. It says the Illyrians, and we write across the Adriatic from the Italian boot. So when Paul was writing to the Romans, there's a reason why he mentions the Illyrians. We're really close to them. In fact, the closest spot on the map between Albania and Italy is about 50 miles, the Otranto Strait. So um, Paul made at least two or three visits in the Illyrian cities that we know of. The most famous of them is Durahicum, present-day Duras, which um, you have had one of your pastors be there uh, for about nine months when the Duras uh, Baptist Church was being uh, planted. And it's an ancient city, and the ruins of that ancient city are still among us. So you see in the back the apartment buildings when we, where we live, and then the Roman city uh, re remnants are all over the town. Kids still play around them. And... Uh, um, it, this was an important port city, which hosted Illyrian, Greek, and a thriving Jewish community. This is part of the amphitheater in the city of Duras, that at its height had, it was the biggest in the Balkans, at the height of the Roman Empire. It, it hosted 20,000 people in it. And it is said that Titus might have died in this particular um, amphitheater. Uh, Durahikum was an important city because it also was the beginning of a very important highway, uh, the, the, red, the red line over there on the map, it's the Via Ignatia. It was a Roman highway that ran from Duras all the way to Constantinople. And it was a way to connect Rome with the Byzantine Empire. Um, so the main, it is believed that the first church in the Albanian territories, in the Illyricum territories, was founded in the year 58 AD, and it listed 70 families in its membership. The pastor, the bishop of the church being Caesar of Apollonia, and he is believed to have been ordained by Paul himself. To put it in perspective, Paul wrote the letter to the Romans in the winter of 57-58 AD. So it's round, round about uh, the same, same time. During the reign of the Catholic Roman Empire, the uh, Illyricum was often the borderline and clashing point between the influences of the Western Church, the Byzantine Church, and, and the Latin Church rule. The Albanian territories, however, were strongly favored by Emperor Justinian as he was of Albanian descent. And to this day, there are some, uh, it's a handful of old Byzantine churches in the region that still survive because they were built during Justinian's patronage. 
And it is important to know that the early Albanian churches had a vast wealth of biblical texts. Over a hundred of these manuscripts, portions of it, still survive to this day. The most famous of them is this purple one called Codex Beratinus. This is a 6th century manuscript. Originally contained four Gospels, of which today only Matthew and Mark survive. A later note in the manuscript states the loss of the two other Gospels during the Crusaders who invaded the castle of Berat. What is incredible is about this manuscript is um, not only that it's so old, but it is also believed to be from the Antioch Syriac line of manuscripts. Um, in the cover of this manuscript, they say that it is written by St. John of Chrysostom, who was a bishop at Antioch and a preacher of the gospel in his fatherland, Antioch. In the year 2000, to celebrate 2,000 years of uh, Christianity, the Vatican, out of all places, did an exhibit called the Gospel of the Peoples, where they would uh, show these old manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and Vaticanus, which they have, and from other regions. And when it came time to uh, display this particular manuscript, uh, the, the, their, their classification is that it is believed that it is a manuscript of the Syrian-Palestinian school and as a source of the manuscript Antioch of the Judea-Aramaic region. Throughout the centuries, Albania was inhabited by Latins, Greeks, and Jews until the Middle Ages, when the Albanian territories fell under the Islamic invasion. Uh, in the year 1443, Sultan Mehmed II, in 56 days, was able to conquer Constantinople. And once he conquered Constantinople, which was, which was the center of Christianity in the east, they set their eyes to the west, and they wanted to conquer Rome. So they, they swarmed down the region, and the last um, frontier before they could cross the Adriatic Sea to Rome was the Albanians. In the year 1444, Skanderbeg, our prince, was a Christian of uh, faith. He fought for 25 years to not only protect our region from falling, not falling under Islamic rule, but to prevent them from crossing across the Adriatic to the Western, um, to the Western world. And when he died in 1468, and the Sultan heard this, he said, now Europe and Asia, and Asia are mine. Woe unto Christendom, because his shield, her shield and sword have fallen. And when they finally managed to conquer Albania, at the walls of our most famous city, Krui, they started screaming, Rome, Rome, because they believed that that was the last thing to prevent them from crossing, for crossing and conquering the rest of Christianity in Europe and beyond. And because we had prevented them for 30 years from crossing and doing this, they uh, really made us pay for, for this delay. So the destruction was immense. Churches and uh, uh, every uh, written record of the language of our, of our history was destroyed. Churches were torn to the ground and mosques were built on top of the churches. And uh, a, a huge number of the Albanian nobility and, uh, and, and Christians were forced to flee, to take boats and cross 
the Adriatic to the southern Italy shore to escape this brutal invasion, which was forcing conversion by sword. And so uh, this is important to keep in perspective uh, with the, the larger history of, of manuscripts, because as these um, Albanians, but also other uh, refugees from the Greek-speaking Byzantine world were crossing over to Italy, they brought with them their manuscripts and everything that they could save from their churches. And this is round, uh, right about the time that Erasmus has his first trip to Italy in Venice, where he worked for nine months with a local printing uh, company. And he was at the time translating Plato and you know the classicals, but he wanted to learn Greek better. And he would go and, and try to build relationships with um, the scholars that came from the Greek-speaking world, and that's how he came in contact with these manuscripts that were completely different from the Vulgate that um, traditionally had been used by the, uh, the, the Roman church. So for 500 years, Albania was under the Turkish Empire. And during these five, this is another, uh, some other manuscripts from the Albanian, um, Albanian Greek manuscripts uh, in the early centuries. So for 500 years, we were under Turkish Empire. And during these 500 years, it was forbidden to write, teach, or speak the Albanian language. So for 500 years, we maintained our history of, via song and just from one generation to the other, speaking it with each other. So this is a map um, on, on the screen of the year 1824, which reflects the devastation and lack of progress as the result of Islamic rule. This was published by um, a uh, traveling Englishman, and it shows that at that time, there was one maid road, three cart roads, and 13 horse roads. So what had been a place of churches and universities and highways that connect, connected east and west was now a wasteland. But the Lord, being gracious in his mercies, did not turn his back on our nation. As I mentioned earlier, the British and Foreign Bible Society was founded in 1804 with a simple but profound vision, the Bible for the world. This is the building, um, the headquarters of the British Bible Society. And so as early as 1816, um, the amazing uh, Albanian language attracted their attention. In August 26, 1816, a letter from the missionary Robert Pinkerton published in the British and Foreign Bible Society report states, the furnishing of the Albanians with the New Testament in their own language is an object highly worthy of the attention of the British Bible Society. This nation occupies a great part of the ancient Illyricum and Epirus and speaks a language with no grammatical affinity with the Slavs, Turkish, or Latin languages. I have no doubt from the conversation I've had with some intelligent Albanians here that persons competent to the task are to be found here and the expense both of the translation and the printing must be defrayed by the British and Foreign Bible Society. Thank you, Mary Jones. <clears throat> the first book of the Bible ever translated <coughs> and printed in the Albanian language is the Gospel of Matthew. In 1824, it is also the, ever, the first ever printed book, <coughs> excuse me, 
in the Albanian language. It was a test run in preparation for the printing of the whole New Testament. Thanks to the persistence of Robert Pinkerton, the British Bible Society signed a translation agreement with Vangel Mexi, an educated Albanian doctor. He completed his translation in 1821, but the challenge was immense given the fact that for 500 years the use of the language had been forbidden, so there was not, thank you, there was not an official formal Albanian alphabet. So this first New Testament published in 1827 is in the Albanian language, but using Greek alphabet. Because a lot of people, especially in the South, were educated in, in Greek. And so typically what they would do is that they would have the front page, just like you have other materials that you print with the Bible, like the discipleship books, the front page would have um, uh, an index like this. In one side would be the alphabet they used, and then next to it, what it corresponds to in the Greek, or what it corresponds to in French, or in Arabian, depending on what people knew. So people would go and say, okay, this letter in, in Arab is this letter, so that means that this word can be read this way, which of course was very complicated, um, you know, to get, to get through a chapter of the Bible reading like that. But um, they, they were very dedicated to this work, and so they knew that to overcome this challenge, they had to, um, they recognized the need for a capable Albanian translator, as well as for a qualified and determined missionary to push forward the Albanian project. In, 18, in 1860, they found Alexander Thompson, who developed a productive and enduring working relationship with Constantine Christophoridis, the guy sitting in there. Uh, Constantine Christophoridis is an important uh, figure. It's one of our founding fathers. And when I was a, uh, a child in the Albanian school, I knew that he was one of, one of our founding fathers because he had come up with the first Albanian alphabet and the first Albanian dictionary and the first Albanian ABC uh, book. But they never told me that the reason why he did this is because he had an overwhelming desire that the people of his nation could know the Bible. And his goal for putting together this alphabet was so that everyone in his nation could know how to read the Holy Scriptures to whom he dedicated his life's work into translating. He was born the same year as the first publishing of the New Testament in Albanian in 1827. And as a bright young man was dedicated to learning, he studied in a Greek college in Zosimea. And then in 1857, his life would change forever while he was in Smyrna, Izmir, in Turkey. And the American evangelical missionary, David Ladd, met him. Later on, Christophoridis joined the Protestant church in that city. And that provided the connection between him and the British Bible Society, which would shape his life's calling and his life's work. In Istanbul, Christophoridis studied at the Bebek Theological Seminary and, and then on to the Pro Protestant College of Malta for three years. In 1865, the British Bible Society, through its missionary to Istanbul, Alexander Thompson, called on Christophoridis to translate the New Testament in the Geg Albanian dialect. Albania has two major dialects, the southern dialect, the Tosk, and the northern dialect, the Geg. In preparation for the Bible uh, publication. Christophoridi also worked on the creation of a Latin-based Albanian alphabet, earning him the name of the father of the Albanian language. 
the result of the partnership between him and Thompson were several publications of the New Testament. This is the college in Malta where he studied. Um, and here are some of the books that they published together. There were several publications of the New Testament in the two major Albanian dialects, the Psalms, the Gospels, a history of the scriptures, and a variety of scholastic books, and a continuous work for the development of the Albanian alphabet. He is my personal hero, because what he accomplished by God's grace is an incredible work for a nation who had been deprived of their language and the light of the scripture for centuries. In his effort to give his people the word of God, he also gave them the first alphabet, the first Albanian dictionary, and he understood that in order for a nation to have the light of the scriptures, its people had to be able to read and write. He labored intensively while under the Ottoman rule as a teacher, a linguist, a writer, a translator, suffering hardship and persecution, loneliness and sickness. He had an in-depth knowledge of the Albanian dialects as well as Greek, Latin, Hebrew, English, Italian, Turkish, Bulgarian, Arabic, French, and German. He managed in less than seven years with candlelight, ink, and paper to finish the New Testament in two Albanian dialects as well as, as, well as Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Psalms, Proverbs, and Isaiah. Near his death, he finished Ruth, Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra, which never got published and were lost. Through his work, he relied solely on the Texas Receptus Greek test and expressed continuous reliance on the King James Bible for his work process. He died in 1895, unable to conclude a full translation of the entire Bible. However, the fruits of his labor by God's grace and faithfulness, here's some more of the books him and Thompson published together, the fruit of his labor continued on with the work of an incredible family, the Chiriazi family, two brothers and two sisters. Um, the Chiriazi family are a very important uh, family. Here's a picture of their brother, Gerasim Chiriazi, who is the first known ordained pre Albanian preacher um, in the 19th century. Uh, so the American Board of Missions established in the 1810s a work in the Ottoman Empire. And in 1873, they sent two American missionary families, the Jennies and the Bards, to establish a missionary station in Manastir, which is a city in present-day northern Macedonia. It's an Albanian city, but is in Macedonia. So they, are, uh, uh, they have um, the merit in converting this first Albanian pastor in the 19th century. He would go on to study in the American Theological Seminary, seminary in Samakov, Bulgaria. And then later on, he would come in contact with Alexander Thompson of the British Bible Society. And in 1884, they would um, hire him to be the primary responsible person for the Albanian work. He moved to Manastir, and he established a mission there, opening a book depot and overseeing the work of the book distributors. Him and his sisters, here he is wearing the male version of the costume I'm wearing today, the traditional garment with the Albanian fustanella. He is holding a Bible at the pulpit and, and, and preaching um, in Albanian. So him and his sisters established the first Albanian schools in the Albanian language. And his sisters established the first school for girls because they believed that if they educated the women, then the next generation of children could grow up with the light 
of the gospel. Um, they said a very important work in Korcha, which thrives to this day. This is a picture of the school of girls in uh, 1891. And they were under continuous, this is still under Ottoman Empire. So the school got burned a few times. They tried to poison a few of the teachers, you know, as you would have it, you know. So, um, and uh, they continued on the publishing of uh, the existing text from Christoporidi as the Albanian alphabet was being refined. And um, um, these are some of the books that they continue to publish, uh, which would be the Book of Matthew, the Gospels, Proverbs, Psalms, etc. They were hoping to establish a new commission for the translation of the whole Bible in Albania in the early 1900s, but then World War I happened and the Ottoman Empire fell, and so they were not able to, to accomplish that, that work. And from uh, the 1890s all the way till 1994, we never had a complete Albanian Bible, all the New Testament. In 1944, at the end of World War II, Albania fell under communist rule, one of the harshest dictatorship in Eastern Europe, from 1944 all the way till 1992. Uh, we were so communist that our dictator thought the Russians were not communist enough, so he kicked them out of the country. And the Chinese were not communist enough, so he kicked them out of the country. And then in 1967, we uh, became an unprecedented case in modern history of the nations as the only nation to ever put in their constitution that we are atheists by law, that all and any form of religion is prohibited, uh, and you can have any form of religious expression or, re or religious books of any kind, and that the government would wholeheartedly dedicate themselves to the propaganda Atheist, atheist propaganda and a materialistic and scientific worldview. So I had from first grade to sixth grade, I had that kind of education in my childhood. Uh, so communism fell in 1992 and this Bible was produced in 1994, the first time that we had a complete old the New Testament uh, Bible. And I'll let Arion tell you a little more about, uh, uh, about this particular Bible and the history of uh, the Albanian church the last 30 years. So the first full Bible in Albania is, is, was published in 1994. It was done in haste because here's a situation where you now have some believers, but there's no Bible for them to read. And so... This work was done in haste uh, with understanding that they would need to revisit this a few years later to make all the corrections that they needed uh, in order for the believers to have an accurate Bible. Unfortunately, uh, this was never done. It never came to fruition. I was saved in January of 1993 after missionary Jeff Bartel had come to the country in 92. I came in contact with, with him and he led me to the Lord, and he started discipling me. I remember in the mid-90s uh, accompanying Jeff to some of the meetings with the Albanian Bible Society where he would come with a long list of verses that were problematic and would plead with them to make corrections to the, to, to the text. They were very welcoming in all of the meetings, and they, uh, after each meeting, were said, of course, we will, we will take this to heart, and we will uh, work on this 
However, it, it never came to fruition. Uh, with the void that this created uh, a few months ago, the, a new Bible is published, which is called, this is called the Together Bible. It is the work of a Catholic priest, a Greek Orthodox priest, and a Protestant. Uh, it, it starts like, like a joke, like they're going to walk into a bar, but they don't. But they put together this Bible. It's an ecumenical Bible. They're very proud of it being an ecumenical work. And they're proud of, uh, as they would call it, the, the unity of the faith. Uh, however, this Bible has a lot of problems. Uh, first of all, not only does it come from the wrong line of manuscripts, but it also, to give you an example of, of uh, how bad it is, it removes the word spirit from the Bible. There is no Holy Spirit. There is no human spirit. So if you don't have a spirit, you don't have a need to be saved. <laughs> Why would you be born again if you don't have a spirit? And of course, you don't have any biblical discernment because scriptures are spiritually discerned. It is a work as, as far as we uh, believe it to be. Uh, for the cults, because you can't prove the Trinity from that Bible. Now, this is because of the landscape of Christianity in Albania. There's about uh, 25 to 30,000 evangelical Christians. This would include all the uh, Charismatics and the Baptists and, and other denominations that at least believe the right gospel. We're not talking about people that hold on to the scriptures dearly or, or have a sound doctrine, but at least they have the right salvation. So with a landscape of, of churches not really being founded in the scriptures, now this is being propagated as the best uh, Bible that there is, so we should abandon the old one with the problems that it has, and it, we recognize that it does have many problems, uh, but many churches now are moving to this Bible. And the... Uh, Swiss gentleman that published the first Bible and the Albanian Bible Society. He has no interest. He has moved on to other things. He has no interest in continuing revising the, the existing Bible. So we kept looking around, burdened. Why isn't somebody doing something about this? Until the Lord pointed at us and said, why don't you do something about this? <laughs> and so I want to give you some biblical ground about what our heart is and what our desire is about this work. First of all, we read in Isaiah 34, verse 16, where it says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. The Lord has a book, and we're supposed to search the scriptures and to seek out for the book of the Lord. It's called the book of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 31. It's called the Holy Scriptures in Romans chapter 1. It's called the law of the Lord in Psalms chapter 19. It's called the word of Christ in Colossians chapter 3. It's called the word of God and the sword of the spirit in Ephesians chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 4. It's called the word of life in Philippians chapter 2. It's called the oracles of God in Romans chapter 3. And not only is the Bible as a, as a whole, as a book, important, but so are the individual words of God. Because Christ said that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, in plural, shall not pass away. And in John chapter 6, verse 63, he says that the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In John chapter 8, verse 47, Christ said, He that he is of God, heareth God's words, plural, 
You therefore hear, hear them not because you are not of God. He said in John 15 that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says that he might know that uh, may thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the Lord doth man live. Christ quotes this verse in the New Testament when he is tempted of the devil. But he says in Proverbs 30 that every word of God is pure. Yes, Albania does have a Bible, but it has problems. And we are passionate about every word of God because God is passionate about every word of God. And when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, Matthew 4, every time he was tempted, he replied with, it is written. He replied quoting the Bible. In Psalms chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7, it says that the words, plural, of the Lord are pure, pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. And he says that thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Why are his words important? They are important because he is the word of God. And how, much, how more passion, passionate should, should we be? I'm afraid that many Christians are more passionate about their words than they are about God's words. Because I know in my life that if somebody quoted me and they left out certain paragraphs or they changed some of the words and they used sin, well, it does mean the same thing. I, I, would, be, I would be very upset. I would say, no, if you quote me, you, you better quote me right. Don't change anything. How much more passionate should we be about God's words? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. How many of you have talked to someone who says, well, I tried religion and it never worked for me? Of course it didn't work for you because you have to effectually, it worked on them that effectually believe. If you don't believe, it won't work for you. Amen. We have to put our faith in it. And God says in Deuteronomy 4, that you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. If we change the Bible, we won't be able to keep his commandments. In Psalm 119, verse 127, it says, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. And that should be our attitude towards the words of God. Job chapter 23, verse 12 says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I wish we all had the same passion. And I'm thankful to be in a church that has a vision to give the words of God into every peoples of the world. As Bible believers, we go to the word to find the definition of everything. Amen? The world has a dictionary. If you don't know a certain word in English, you go online and open a dictionary and you search for that particular word and it will give you the definition. However, the Bible, it's its own definition. Just because you look at a dictionary, that doesn't mean that, by, that God defines it the same way. So we go to the scriptures to find out how God defines his words. So I went to the scriptures to find out what God thinks about translation. And here's what he, what, what he thinks. The word translate is only used three times in the scripture. It is used in 2 Samuel chapter 3, where he, he says to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul 
and to set up the throne of David. It is used the second time in Colossians chapter 3, where it says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And it is used the third time in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, where it says, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found and was not found because God has translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So these are the only three passages where the word translate is used in the scripture. So as Bible believers, we get our definition from the scriptures. And God takes the translation very seriously. In fact, not only does he take it seriously, but it, in the scriptures, it is something that only he does. Amen. And every time he does it, he takes it from a certain condition to a better state. He goes from Saul to David. He goes from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. He goes from a fleshly body to a glorified body. That's when he is involved in the translation. Now, when people are involved in translation to make a name for themselves, like they were trying to do in in Genesis chapter 11, God isn't pleased with that. So you can expect the translation to go from lightness to dark, to obscure things, and from a glorified state to a fleshly state. But God takes it seriously, and that's why we have surrendered to this work for him to do the work. And we are simply vessels in his name. When we look at Jesus' ministry, we see that he made a lot of miracles. He healed the sick. He cleaned the lepers. He resurrected the dead. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He set people free from, from demon possession. But out of all the miracles that Jesus did, he multiplied only two things, the fish and the bread. And lo and behold, those two things are consistent throughout the scriptures of what they represent. Because he told his disciples that he would make them fishers of men. After the resurrection, he shows up with the fish and the bread. And he tells them to to cast their nets and get their fish and come and commune with him to take part in the fish and the bread. The bread represents the word of God. And in fact, after his resurrection, he continues his work even after he returns to the Father. And we read in the book of Acts that there's only two things in the book of Acts that are multiplied. We read in chapter 6 of Acts that the number of disciples was multiplied. And we read in chapter 9 that the churches were multiplied. That is the fish. The churches are not buildings, amen? It's the the disciples, born-again believers. So that was multiplied. And the last thing in the Bible that is recorded to have been multiplied is in Acts chapter 12 and verse 24 where it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Now there's other references where uh, there's, there's salutations about, uh, I pray that great grace and, and, and peace be multiplied unto you. But the last recorded thing that was ever multiplied is the word of God. And this thing is consistent from the beginning. The first time it's mentioned, the word multiplied is mentioned, is mentioned in Genesis 1, when God creates the waters with the living things in the waters, that's where the fishes live, to be multiplied. Listen, we talk about a lot of things, but God is interested, above all, into two things. It's very simple. The souls of people to make disciples and the word of God to be multiplied. Everything else will burn. Those two things are eternal. They will continue to, work, to, to, to exist 
into eternity. 1 Samuel 3, it says, The Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, and he did let none of his words fall to the ground. So what exactly are we going to do? Our prayer is that in the next three and a half years, we will translate the King James Bible into the Albanian language. We will create a biblical dictionary of all the unique words in the Bible. We will create a concordance so you can search in the same way that you search in, in English for Bible words and phrases. We would like to publish this in three different mediums. First is the printed text of the Bible. Secondly, we would like to do a website in Albanian with a new translation and also with all the search and study tools. I've been preaching for over 25 years. I want to make this tool in the same way I prepare a message, to give them the ability to search just like you search and you find and you trace a word, how God has used this from the beginning until the end because God is particular about his words. So our approach in this translation is to first create a list of all the unique words of the King James Bible. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, so we are building some tools uh, on, to help us with the translation. We've just started this, this work this, this month. And so here's, here's, I'll, I'll give you uh, a quick introduction of, of what we're doing and how we're approaching this. Now, most of what we've read about how translations are done is that they would first start with a certain book of the Bible, usually the New Testament, and they will publish the New Testament and then work on other books of, of the Bible. Our approach is a little different. Our approach is that we will first start translating all the words of, of the Bible before we translate any of, the ver any of the verses in the Bible. And there's a reason for this. There's over 860,000 words in a King James Bible. Out of all of these words... There's 12,602 unique words in the scriptures. They're, they're used with a different frequency, but they're unique, 12,600 words. So we've compiled a database of all the unique words of the Bible. I have a, a background in programming, so I'm using the skills that I have learned, acquired throughout the years to build these tools. So this is a... A uh, quick way of, now go back to the previous one. This is a quick way of accessing uh, the scriptures. So on top you have the, the KJV. You pick a verse, and then the second one is the Christophorithi, the, the one that she mentioned that published the New Testament. Uh, so this is from 1800s. Uh, and then you have, is that the Diodati? Because I can't read That's it. Yeah. There's the Diodati, 1607, and the Reina Valera, in Spanish, 1602, and then the, the last one is the current Albanian Bible. And so this is, gives a new meaning to compare Scripture with Scripture. Our translation will be based on the King James. The rest of them are there for our, our safety and protection to see how to, to compare, make sure we're, we're not uh, messing up anywhere, we're not uh, overlooking something. Uh, the next one is, is the tool we're mostly will be using. Uh, so I'll go top to bottom and then left to right, okay? So on top, you have the letters of the alphabet. Hopefully, you can recognize them. Uh, A to Z. 
then you click on a word, you click on a letter, and then on the left, it will show you all the words in the Bible that start with that letter. It will give you the number. How many words are there that start with that letter? So that's a, there's the list there on the, on the left. And I don't know if, if it's big enough to be, to be seen, but anyway. And beside each letter, it tells you the frequency, how many times this word has been used in the scripture. And then to the right of that number is the number zero, which shows how many resolved words are there from that start with this letter. And I'll explain what resolved words mean. And then to the right, as we cross to the right, uh, there are some categories of where this words fit. Like, is it a people? Is it a people person? Is it uh, a mountain or a river? Or is it a false deity or any of these things? And the reason we give them a category uh, or more is, is because they're going to eventually, when we build the website and the iOS application and the Android application, you have to have them these days these days, give, give them uh, in any medium that, that we can make it available, is so that people will be able to search more than just read the text, but also be able to search and study if that's what the, they, they desire. So this, this is our, our work. We're, we're, it's primary, pr primarily us working on the translation. But also we have counselors both here in the U.S. and also in Albania, people that are, are pastors and know languages, and then they also know biblical doctrine, so that when we come across words or uh, passages that are difficult to translate and we're not sure what to do at that point, then we will call upon them to have discussions about how do we go about doing this. Because translating the, the words, of course, it's not, you know, here's a word and then every time here's a, an equivalent translation. That's not how languages work. If that was the case, Google Translate will get it right, but they don't. <laughs> so when we come across words uh, that are difficult, then we, we need help from others, then we, we have them uh, to, to contribute to this. Part of translating the, the, the words is also the phrases that go with it. We want to be able to provide an accurate translation also of the phrases. You know very well in this church that when you study the scriptures, there are certain phrases that have doctrinal meaning. The day of Christ, the day of, of, of the Lord, uh, the son of God, son of perdition, all, all of these things that are not just individual words, but they go together. But they are very, very important to be translated consistently because you, that's how you follow what the Lord is teaching through individual words or through individual phrases that he uses to, to teach us doctrinal uh, meaning. So part of this tool is at the bottom there, it, it talks about uh, comments from, from contributors. So what that is, is every other week or so, we would say one of the, the checkboxes in the classification for a word is, has this been resolved or does it need input? So does it need input is that as we come across a word that we're not sure what to do with it right now, that it may have to be translated uh, more than one, one way, because that's how languages work, then we, we need input from others. So we, we, we check that off, and then we say next Saturday we're having a meeting with the pastors here or in Albania to get their input on these. So this is where the, the, the place where they put their input, and we keep a record of everything that has been said and has been discussed about this particular word or this particular particular phrase. That helps us to keep us honest into the work, but also months down the road as we 
come across another word or another phrase, we can go back and say, what did we talk about this? What, what did uh, Pastor so-and-so say about this? So we, it will help us to have a, a safety net as we approach this work. Now, this is still uh, fresh out of the oven, so to speak. It's still being cooked, okay? So uh, it, it's not completely done 100%, but we're, we're, we're almost there. So this, these are internal tools to us. These are not made public, but this will be put online and with password protected with, with permissions for different people to contribute to, to this tool. So we're able to have different people work and they don't have to be at the same location to, 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 to do this work. So I, I just wanted to show you a little bit about uh, how, how we're approaching this. And the progress that you can see. Right, and then, and then the, the main dashboard will, will show how many words have been resolved to date. So we'll have a, a, a visual representation, a graph, to show us where we are in the progress, how many words have been resolved altogether, and by each letter, if you want to see how many, uh, where we are in, in the progress, it will help us to, to stay focused and, and to know where we are at any given, a, any given time. So some ways that you can pray for us for this work, we like to get all of this done in three and a half years, and we understand that's a very aggressive schedule, uh, but by the grace of God, I, I, think it can, I, I think it can be done. So you can pray for us, uh, for our health, first of all. <laughs> it seems like ever s since we announced that we're going to do this work, that has been the, the, the point of attack for us. So you can, you can uh, pray for us for that. You can pray for financial support for this project. You can pray for our children as well, because they are caught up in a spiritual war because of this uh, work. And also pray for God's wisdom and protection as we begin this work as, uh, and as we uh, seek the Lord in, into uh, how to do uh, everything. So in conclusion, I just want to thank you uh, as a church for having a, a burden, having a vision, for taking God's words to, to the ends of the world and, and, and not only in word, but also in, in practice. Pastor, would you come? So you got a history lesson, a translation lesson, and uh, but mainly we got we got to see the heart of people, the, how precious it is to get the word of God in our own language. And uh, a lot of us English speakers take this book for granted, you know, and we don't understand the price uh, that was paid. And I know here you guys know a lot more about Bible uh, history and how you got this book in your language. Um, but the reality is uh, not everybody has a copy. You know, we talked about that. Uh, Sharon kicked us off Sunday night talking about the efforts she went to to, tr to make a dialect, to help get a word started, and uh, get a wor any word in the language, right? These folks are key people at a key time, and, uh, and, the, and it's amazing how God has used their language. If you were you know, picking up on what they were talking about uh, on Janita when she was talking about... Um, you know, going all the way back to the early, you know, 58 AD, the first church in that portion of, uh, of Europe and Albania, um, they were using um, Antioch texts. I mean, their culture is built and has sustained 
a group of Bible-believing uh, Christians throughout the centuries, and even in the midst of very oppressive Ottoman rule. I mean, that is an amazing, amazing thing to consider and to meditate upon. And here they are at the end of the, you know, this last church age, and uh, they still are, are in a battle in their culture. Um, Ten million people, uh, Albanian-speaking people, uh, trying to trying to keep a pure word, a pure word. And uh, the devil's working hard, right? To, to, you can't even find the spirit, the word spirit in the newest Bible of the Albanian. That's the one they're promoting. That's the Bible. Because there's a spiritual war, always has been, over the word of God and its purity. And so, uh, the, what did the, you remember what they just asked us to pray for? Um, I'll remind you. They asked us to pray for um, health, right? It's very obvious, right, uh, that the health is important. Uh, God's going to have to work um, through Arion for three and a half years, and that's a very aggressive schedule. And so be praying for them. I, and I presume you're working, you went the whole Bible in three and a half years. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a heavy lift. So be praying for their health, uh, both he and uh, Jonita. Be praying for their financial support. If you want to write them a check for a million dollars, they will take it today um, or for a hundred dollars. And, uh, uh, and then, by the way, would, they would, I believe we would send that to First Bible Baptist. of uh, Yeah, and so we just send it to Heartland. We'll get it to where it needs to go. Um, we didn't have a meeting on that, but we'll do that. So, um, so, um, so if you, you want to help their work, you know, we're all about helping what they're doing. So uh, we'll be talking more about that later. And then children, man, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking that when you said pray for us. I was thinking about their kids. Um, if you know much about Bible translators and the, and the effort and the things they go through, Bible publishers, uh, whether it's printed word, um, and there's always a battle, and, it, and the kids get in the crosshairs of spiritual warfare. And when he said that, our kids are in a spiritual battle. I'm like, yep, they are. I know, I know they are. Before I before even said it, and they have kids about the same age as mine, a little younger, but uh, close in age. And, and my heart goes out to you. They also have two children, um, and. Uh, so be praying for their kids. Uh, and then uh, the last thing was wisdom and protection. So the, uh, the last, this Bible has the opportunity to reach into unreached uh, peoples, uh, people that are in, in places. out The Albanian population, uh, over 70% of them um, are Islamic. And so uh, the Albanian-speaking peoples. And so we need to be thoughtful about that. God has, has placed this burden and prepared these servants uh, for such a time as this so that they can get the word of God where it needs to go uh, because uh, they want to make a dent in the residue. And what a great time to do that in the, uh, in the former Ottoman Empire, right? And that, that influence is still there religiously. Uh, and so I had a great, I have had great good discussions with Arion about the, the, the timing is really good right now. Uh, to get this Bible in that Albanian language because these people are really pretty much, uh, many of them, not all of them, are probably uh, Islamic in, in, um, in name only, right? Just like a lot of people are in America. I'm a Christian. They're not anything. They're, a lot of them are atheists. They're in fa- they're, they're, their uh, minds are corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. They just need to hear the gospel. And can you imagine what it's going to be like to get this book in their language? Wow. It's going to be awesome in the true sense of the word. And so, um, so what's your part? What's our part tonight? We can pray. 
and, uh, and we can support them financially. But also, there'll be a day, I believe, when God will give us the opportunity to help them with the published word and get it where it needs to go in time. And so this is an exciting meeting uh, to, to be on the front end of and be able to be a part of and be, be able to get this ministry uh, and our groups of churches involved in uh, helping them, uh, first of all, with prayer, second of all, with financial support, and then as, as they get the work done, we'll start getting the publishing going. That's going to be an exciting, exciting opportunity for all of us. Uh, as, as Brother Van Horn told us last night, what are we doing? We're entering in to their labor, right? So it's not just them reaching Albania, it's us reaching the Albanian peoples. And uh, man, what an exciting opportunity and what a great investment. So I hope you're encouraged tonight in the report that you've heard and you're prayerfully engaged now and you, you know these folks um, and, uh, and you'll, you'll be hearing more about them as the days go on. So um, let's do this. We got a lot to do. We, still, we aren't done yet. Um, Randy, are you coming up to do the... Randy's going to come up and uh, we're going to do some thank yous uh, we are so thankful for all that's gone on. But before we jump into the thank yous, I want to have a, just a brief word of prayer over this project, and then we're going to transition after a few thank yous to praying over these Bibles as we get ready to send them. And you're not done yet, because we're going to need everybody here to actually get engaged in uh, loading these Bibles out. And uh, I know you guys are tired, right? I know I can tell. It's like, oh man, it's been a long week all of a sudden. It's kind of kind of getting woozy, but we still got more work to do. We got tracks to fold. We got bo- we got boxes to move out and uh, all of that. But before we jump on into the next thing, let's pause right now. Let's just let's just uh, pray. Would you all pray with me over this couple and the work that they're getting ready to engage in? Let's bow our hearts and our heads. And uh, Heavenly Father, I, I just want to pray over the Vogleys, Lord. I want to pray over Arion. I want to pray uh, <clears throat> over Yonita, Lord. I want to pray over their children. And I, Lord, I want to be very specific because they've asked us to pray for their health. Lord, we want to pray, God, that you would just give them um, the, the good health, Lord, you protect them physically uh, in this endeavor. Lord, I pray, God, that you would provide for them financially. And Lord, I do want to pray protection upon their children, upon their family unit, Lord, upon their physical safety. Lord, I want to pray, Heavenly Father, for their finance, Lord, and the project, not just the, the, the project finance, their personal finance, uh, all the things that they need. They have left their country uh, to come here for a season to complete this work. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would support them uh, in every way. And, Lord, the project, Lord, uh, uh, you've, you've, Lord, if you've ordered it, you'll pay for it. So, Lord, we pray, God, for the resources uh, to get this project done in every sense of the word. And, Heavenly Father, we want to just uh, pray for that last question that he, he posed is like the one that Solomon asked. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give, us, give them the wisdom that they need, the discernment they need. Lord, continue to give them the, the uh, spiritual resources, the people resources they need to do uh, the work that you need done. And Lord, throughout history, in the preservation and, and the purifying of a word in any language, you have provided key men like Arion and, uh, to, to continue to, uh, to refine a language. Oftentimes, Lord, men like Arion's name get attached, uh, Lord, Lord, whether it's the Wycliffe or the Tyndale uh, or the Matthew. Lord, we're praying for the Arion. Uh, the Vogley Bible, Lord, and Lord, we pray, God, for this this translation, Lord. We know that it's coming uh, from a pure word through a pure heart, Lord. We pray that it be purified in paper, Lord. We understand, Lord, that you take and you're able, as you did with Mary, uh, a sinner, Lord. You're able to bring purity from impurity, Lord. Through her uh, loins came the Son of God, the, the perfect Word of God, the, the sinless Son of God, 
You do those miracles because you're God. And Lord, we pray that over this translation, Lord, process, that you would produce a, a pure word for the Albanian-speaking peoples. And Lord, we obviously have no idea, and we don't expect our work to be perfect, but we know your work is. And so, Father, we pray, God, that you would just provide the clearest, the cleanest word possible for such a time as this. And Lord, as we talked about today at lunch, we understand the time is short. And so, Father, may we be about this business before we're translated. Lord, I pray this translation could get in, and Lord, the people's souls could be saved, and they could be translated with us into glory above. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this, this great message, too, at the end. Lord, thank you for the words that we've heard, Lord, and, and the encouragement we've heard from your word about the process of translating, about the word of God, and, it's, it's a, and how, Lord, you have shown us those three mentions of, of translation. And, uh, Lord, it's so important that we grasp hold of the process that you're speaking of, and, uh, Lord, to us today, and that we would get involved in it and pray about it, and, Lord, participate in any way possible. Uh, Lord, because uh, our translation draws nigh. Lord, we want to see. We don't want to see darkness in the Albanian language. We want to see light. So, Father, continue to bring that through this couple. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me and praying over the Vogelis. Okay, I'd like to invite uh, Randy up, and uh, he's going to do some thank yous as he's coming. Man, I just want to, before he gets up here, I just want to say thank you all, thank you all, thank you all for all the work. Those online, those in other churches that are watching online, thank you so much uh, for your support. Do remember this as Randy's coming. We, we can still use uh, the support to get, you know, to pay for the shipping and uh, the materials and all the things here. So uh, if you want to support that, that just uh, you can go online, hit the Word First Bible Publishing. You can drop some money in the offering boxes. Those will be checked, so we're not going to let it sit there for a long time. And uh, you can get that money where it needs to go on time. Randy? <clears throat> all right. Well, praise the Lord. I, I, uh, I've been waiting all, all week, really, for several months for tonight uh, just to hear uh, that presentation. I, I heard it via podcast the first time, and I said, we've got to have them come because they, they will stir up our hearts for the need to translate the Bible. And uh, what I... But I also was praying that you didn't get too scared about how much work might be involved in translating. I'm not asking you to uh, do a program and a database and all of that. That's, uh, that's his skill. That's his workshop. But, just, but don't even think about that. Just how can you get involved in the Bible translation? So anyway, let me just uh, take care of some, some things here. First off, I've I got a whole list of names, not so much names, but people I want to recognize and thank for, for their that what they did to put this this whole conference together. I'll start with the office support team. You know the people in the office, Brianna, Luke, uh, and so many others that have been part of getting the things done behind the scenes so that we could start this Bible conference off. I want to thank David Branham and the food team. Man, what a what an office, what an awesome thing there. I mean, the food was delicious every night. Thank you for those guys and for the work that the, that you did and. I want to also thank the, the, whoever it was that put the tent up. Uh, that's not an easy task, and I and making sure it stayed up. Uh, there were some pretty gusty winds a few times. I thought, oh, man, this thing's going to come down on our head. But it didn't because they put it up right. Um, I want to thank the um, anybody that had been just on, taking it on your own, and I'm sure there's been a few people 
to take out the trash and make sure there's toilet paper, make sure there's paper towels and the soap and stuff like that, and vacuuming the floor. I've seen I've seen people vacuum the floor, you know, after service. You know, and I said I want to thank you for doing that. By the way, we need to get that done again one more time. Uh, I want to thank uh, all of the people that are part of the Bible team, the Word First Bible Publishing Ministry. We have a huge group. Many of them have green shirts. Some of them have other kind of shirts. But I, I just want to thank them because their heart, they carry a lot of the load, and I thank them for doing what they're doing. Um, I can't even read my own handwriting. Uh, I want to thank the material transporters. That would be the kids. <laughs> the material transporters. I don't know which one it was, but every time I was I was in the in the uh, the checking room, they come or in the rolling room, they someone one of the kids would come in. Is you ready to be fed? Like, yeah, bring us something to eat. Let's go. They were not talking about food. They were talking about the Bible. Bring ready to bring to the Bible. So I thank the kids. I also want to thank uh, Seeds of Grace uh, Bible Transportation Ministry. They're the ones that brought our stuff in on on time, and they're the ones going to take this out of here and get it uh, to the, where it needs to go for shipping. I want to thank Bob Hall, who kind of uh, showed a lot of, of the ministry, and the, the work that needs to be done. I thank Terry Ogle uh, and the guys that worked on the machine. You know, you probably don't know that the cutter broke again. As much as I prayed over that cutter and didn't want to move it and everything, and it still broke, the devil was trying to keep us from making Bibles. But uh, those guys, they know how to they know how to fix a machine. They got it going in record time, and that was good. I want to thank the uh, the the ladies who kind of work on what I what I call our print team, uh, they got a lot of stuff printed. The discipleship inserts that goes in the English Bibles, uh, they they worked really hard to make sure we had all of those printed, and I appreciate them doing that. Um, I want to thank the speakers uh, that were here: Brian Calloway, uh, Mark Brown, uh, Mike Van Horn. Uh, Volgus tonight, and what what a what a great time it was. We had an awesome thing. Um, I want to thank the AV team because uh, they keep things going and keep the microphones working. And I thank the praise team uh, for uh, leading us in praise. I think uh, well, Ron stepped out, but I think that uh, that was that was. Oh, there he is. Hi, right, Ron. Thank you so much for tonight. That was awesome, and also for uh, uh, Janessa uh, Sheldon for playing the piano. That was great. We appreciate appreciate that. And the last, I want to thank God and Christ. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here tonight. If it wasn't for Christ, we wouldn't be here for tonight. If it wasn't for God who loves us and died on the cross for our sins, became a man, died on the cross, and we might be saved, uh, we wouldn't be here. So we never want to go uh, too far without thanking the Lord. Uh, and the fact that he actually trusts us. Don't, don't lose sight of that. God trusts you to handle his word, and we always want to make sure that we fulfill that trust. So thank you for everybody, and thank you for everybody that did, that participated in some way, shape, or form. There's been people here every night. There's been people here one night. Maybe this is the first time you, you were here and you came, and I thought I was going to do Bibles. I'm sorry they're done, but that's okay because we have some more stuff to we can get some work done. Um, you know, we'd never leave you without any work. Uh, so thank you for what you've done. Thank you for that. And uh, so what I want to do now, what we do every night or every every conference that we have is is we, we send our Bibles out um, after we pray over them. And so there's a, there's, some, there's a process that we do. What I need you to do is come forward as much as, as anybody that can. If you can come forward, put your hand on a Bible box, 
and then we're going to pray. I'll have several people pray, um, and then uh, then I actually have an ulterior motive. Once you once you get once we get done praying, I, you grab a box and take it out into the lobby so we can load it on the pallets. So just grab a book, uh, grab a Bible box. You can set it on on the row on the chairs in front of you so we have plenty of room. I'll have three or four people pray, and um, and then we will get moving. Now there's some instruction. Uh, whatever you do, don't get two things confused. Because <laughs> yeah, because there's English and there's Spanish, and we don't want to get them on the wrong palate. Okay, so if you move them, make sure you make sure you know which ones you're moving. Yeah. Okay. We'll pray over that. So if you guys want to come on in, come on, you can come up on the platform. Come on up on the platform. You're welcome to come all the way up. Get behind this box of these rows of Bibles. Guys, come on up here. You're welcome to come on up. Just come on up. Come all the way over here. Just keep coming. Don't move them. Don't leave the boxes there. If you're there, just leave the boxes there. Pray over the boxes right there. That's good. Okay. Yes, it is okay. We it'll hold us all. Okay, I'm going to ask uh, three or four people to pray. I'm going to ask uh, first. I'm going to ask Terry Ogle to pray, and then I'm going to ask Tony Godfrey wherever he went to pray. Right there, great. Next, it works out really well. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Brian to pray. Okay. Well, you can run it. Okay. So we'll start with that, and then, uh, Brian, you'll close up. God, we just we just praise your name. You're so holy, and as frail as we are, you love us, and you give us a mission, you give us a calling, and you sent Jesus for us. Lord, we just pray that you would take our energies, our effort, and our fatigue and use it for your glory. We pray that each one of these scriptures would get in your time to the peoples that they need to be to. And that not just one, but many people would read these Bibles. Many, many, many souls would be saved. Revivals would start. That your name would be glorified. Lord, just help our time this week to not be in vain. We just ask that you would bind Satan from their transport and their delivery to the people they need to go to and that your name again would be magnified above all names because of your word. In Jesus' name. Lord God, I'm so thankful for your word. Lord, I'm thankful that I have it in my language. I'm thankful that, that I have access to it every moment of every day in hard copy and online. Lord, I just take it so for granted. And Lord, I pray that these hard copies of the Word of God will be placed in the hands of people who not only need it, but will pour over its pages and will weep and will study and will highlight and will teach 
and will preach and proclaim your truth. Lord, I pray for the souls that will be saved because they heard the word of truth that was proclaimed from these copies of the scriptures. Lord, I pray for the Sunday school teachers who will use these copies of the scriptures to to teach children and and raise up future pastors and and missionaries. Lord, I, I pray for the fathers and the mothers who will have children on their laps as they read the word of God to them. Lord, I, I pray, um, Lord, that uh, I, I pray for the scriptures that will be hidden in the hearts of men and women and children because they will memorize them because they read them on the pages. Lord, I, I pray for the evangelists and I, and Lord, I, 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 I'm just so excited to be a part of this. It was your word that was the hammer that broke the rock of my heart in pieces. And Lord, I pray that you will do that in the lives of people all over the world. Lord, we have seen testimony in the last week and a half that your word can travel thousands of miles. And I'm thankful for that. I'm, Lord, I'm thankful for this church and the stance they have on the Word of God and the heart they have to put the Word of God and, and get it there on time. We lift your name on high and we magnify you. In the name of Christ, I pass this prayer on. Heavenly Father, we just come to your throne and Lord, we think about each and every one of these Bibles. Lord, we know each and every one of these are Lord, we pray that each and every one gets into the hands and then the hearts of those that receive it. Lord, we know some of these are uh, making their way to Venezuela. And Lord, we know right now it's a dark time in that country. And like the children of Israel in bondage, Lord, we know there are people that have cried out to you. Some of them may have never even seen a Bible. Some of them may not even know uh, who they're crying out to, Lord. They're just in anguish, despair. And Father, we know that there may be more than one person pouring over some of these Bibles. There may be entire groups of people pouring over these Bibles. Lord, the Word is precious. Lord, and I pray, God, that you would block any hindrance to any, any way to get this Word where it needs to go, Lord. I know there'll be problems with shipping, or there'll be problems uh, with checkpoints. There'll be ch- problems with governments. There'll be problems with soldiers and militias and everything along the way trying to get these where they need to go. So, Father, we pray right now in advance that you make a way for your word. We pray, God, it finds its way to the most humble of hearts or the most softest of soil. And, Heavenly Father, that you would do a work beyond what we could ask or think, or that you would quicken your word in the hearts of these that receive it, or that you would bring preachers and teachers, not not just the Bible, but, Lord, bring those faithful men, the faithful men that will teach others also, the faithful women who will teach others also. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would provide in a mighty way through these very these very pages that have been uh, put together and assembled. Oh, Heavenly Father, in, the, in those in Venezuela, we think about those in Jamaica. But we know the faithful men. We know the people, Brother Evermore and the team down there that will be receiving these words. And we know the relationships. Lord, we've been there. And Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that your work would continue to go forth beyond what we could ask or think in Jamaica. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that this would be a great assault. Even though it's a little bit, Lord, a little bit goes a long way with you. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would use these Bibles, each and every one, above what we could ask or think. And, Lord, just protect your servants, protect your, uh, your, your messengers, Lord, that are going to uh, help communicate the Word of God. Lord, that you would use these Bibles to make disciples, that raise up uh, more disciples, that reproduce more fruit. Lord, I pray, God, there'd be so much fruit that we couldn't produce enough Bibles. And, and, Lord, I pray this would outgrow our ability. 
And Lord, uh, that's never, never a problem for you because you can do things above and beyond what we ask or think. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you just uh, continue to bless these that have invested and prioritize the word of God. They prepared the work. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that uh, we would be holy for you're holy. Lord, this is holy business, not external holiness, but internal, Lord. Thank you for making us priests and kings. Thank you for engaging us in this, this great work and prioritizing getting the word of God where it needs to go, Lord, so that you can be glorified not only in time, but for all of eternity. And Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would be pleased with this effort. Lord, we know it's, it's, it's meager. Lord, we know that it's, it is what it is. It's what we can do right now. But Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would bless it. Lord, that you would use it. Lord, that you would have your hand upon it. And Father, we just want to come, come back around to this project and the project last year and the project the year before and all the projects that we've had our hands on, Lord. But we just want to see fruit that will remain or crowns that we can cast at your feet for all of eternity, or we want to see you glorified. We just thank you, because you are above all things. Or we want to thank you and praise you. We want to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, before everybody moves, hang on. I'm going to give you some instruction here. So there's, as you know, there's Spanish and there's English. This, this front row over here is English. Pretty much everything else is Spanish. So there's... I don't know, three, four pallets. There's four pallets out front in the lobby. Mark uh, Lockwood and anybody else, he'll guide you. Take the English out this door. Take the Spanish out this door. They will tell you where to put them on, the, on what pallet. Okay, so English, there's, not, there's about half as many English as there are Spanish. English out this door, Spanish out this door. Take one, don't hurt yourself.